we're discussing some aspects of Lakuti Sichos Parshas Bo, Sicha number two. This is a very deep analytical Sicha. It's a discussion of a Talmudic law and questions and answers, like very much Pilpul style, analyzing um, and the very Gishmak, very sweet and special. Uh, I'll put it out there at the outset. I'm not covering all of the details. There's a tremendous amount of depth on many levels in the Sicha. Uh, just giving a general overview of the Sicha. And in the Sicha, the Rebbe innovates a couple of beautiful Chidushim innovations in terms of the analysis, and then finishes with a beautiful, powerful, relevant lesson in our service of Hashem. And the discussion is, in general, how the mitzvahs are to be counted. We know that the Talmudic a principle that there are 613 mitzvahs, all articulated directly in the Torah. However, there are some different approaches to how they are exactly counted. What counts as a mitzvah or what details are included in the same mitzvah? So as an example, Shabbos is a mitzvah to observe Shabbos. We don't have 39 mitzvahs for the 39 laws. The observance of Shabbos is one mitzvah and all the other details are part of it. And this is true with many, many mitzvahs in the Torah. There's a principle of the mitzvah, and then the details follow. And Maimonides explains how this is done. So what's curious is, when we come to the mitzvah of carbon Pesach, in today's portion, the first mitzvah given to the Jewish people, Maimonides separates the mitzvah of offering the Pesach lamb, the carbon Pesach, sacrificing and butchering it, and a separate mitzvah is enumerated, the mitzvah of eating it. Why does he separate? One brings to the other. You butcher it in order to eat it. It's part and parcel. Why are you making it into a separate mitzvah? This becomes the main question of the sicha. Let me bring up a little flow chart. Main question, why is eating the Paschal sacrifice uh, counted as a separate mitzvah from sacrificing it? Mitzvahs can have numerous details and they still remain one mitzvah. An example, which is given by Maimonides himself, in his introduction to the book of mitzvahs, where he explains why in some cases he splinters the details into numerous mitzvahs and in others, he um, combines them into one. He explains this principle. We're talking about the mitzvah, not about the details. So the mitzvah of lulav, although the Torah says you should take a lulav, you should take an esrig, you should take a dasam and a rabbis. It's not four mitzvahs, it's one mitzvah. It's obvious, it's one mitzvah. The mitzvah of lulav. Ramam gives other examples. Uh, there's a mitzvah in the Torah, to uh, for the holy temple for the Mishkan and Beis Hamikdash to create the olive oil and there's a special process how to do it it's commanded in detail and then there's a mitzvah to kindle the menorah guess what in Rambam it's one mitzvah because the purpose of the olive oil is to kindle the menorah so it becomes one mitzvah to to prepare the olive oil to prepare the menorah and to kindle the menorah not three mitzvahs because nominally the way it's understood each mitzvah is another theme Hashem gave us six hundred and thirteen of His wills of his desires for us to connect to, even though one may have many, many details, it's still counted as one. So why don't we count the carbon Pesach as one mitzvah? To bring it and then eat it. Just like the lulav, all four parts are one mitzvah, just like the uh, creating of the oil, uh, which is one in the same mitzvah as preparing and then kindling them in up. So the Rebbe first offers up the answer of Rabbi Avram ben Rambam, Rambam's son. And he says there's two reasons, there's two differences between the eating of the mitzvah and sacrificing of the sacri- of the carbon Pesach. 
which make it stand apart and therefore considered to be a separate mitzvah. Number one, the sacrificing and eating are at different times. And number two, the two are not critically binding to one another. So this is different. To, for example, the example of the lulav. We're arguing that the lulav is only one mitzvah, even though it has four details. Spelled out in the Torah, it still counts as one mitzvah. How could you compare it? The lulav is one mitzvah with four details that are binding. And it's done at the same time. You don't shake the lulav in the morning and the yesterday in the afternoon. It won't count. All four are needed. If you have three out of the four, you didn't do the mitzvah. They're done at the very same time. And then what's one mitzvah? How could you compare, says Rambam's son, Avram ben Harambam, how could you compare that to the eating of the carbon Pesach, which is distinct from the sacrifice of it in both those ways? First of all, the sacrificing took, took place by day, and it must be by day. It can't be brought after sunset. That's the, that's the final time when it can be brought. And the eating is by necessity at night. It's different times. And number two is the two mitzvahs aren't critically binding. Whereas in the lulav, if I have the lulav, I don't have the estrog or I'm missing one of the four, the mitzvah is disqualified. If I brought the paschal sacrifice, I brought the carbon, I sprinkled the blood, I did everything. And I intended to eat it. I do have to intend to eat. It. I do have to be counted that there's enough olive-sized pieces of meat in that particular sacrifice to count for all the eaters and they intend to eat it. But it turned out I didn't get around to it. I wasn't feeling well, I got Corona, I couldn't eat, whatever it was, or I was negligent or what have you. It still does not disqualify my bringing of the Paschal lamb. And therefore, just as a footnote, it's important to realize that it, it, even when you bring it, you do have to be able to eat from it. You do have to have enough olive size portions in the Paschal lamb to include all the people that signed up for it. And if there are too many people signed up for it and there aren't enough olive-sized portions, then those people who, who, who aren't counted in need to go find another, another group. And if they don't, they have to bring the Pesach Sheni, the makeup date. So when you sign up, you do have to be able to eat it. And that has to be, I guess, the plan. However, if in reality, I signed up, there was enough meat in there for me, but then I decided not to show up for the Seder to eat it for whatever reason, that does not disqualify my mitzvah that I have brought the Paschal lamb. I'm not liable to the punishment that comes along with it, which is terrible curse being cut off spiritually. I only, you know, transgressed a separate mitzvah of, of eating, which is a, a positive mitzvah, but I don't have, God forbid, that uh, high level sin of not bringing the Paschal. I brought it and I don't have to bring the makeup date. I can't, I guess, bring the makeup date in the Pesach Sheni. The mitzvah has been done. Says Avram ben Rambam, the Rambam's son, Therefore, my father, Rambam, counted it as a separate mitzvah. When do we lump mitzvahs together like the example of the lulav? When they happen at the same time and they're all binding, mutually binding one to the other. However, in this case, both things are not true. It's a different time. And at the end of the day, it's not really critically binding. And therefore, it should therefore to be separate mitzvahs. And that's why... Rambam counted it as separate mitzvah. So seemingly we have a great answer. Comes along the Rebbe and questions that answer. The Rebbe says, if you read the Rambam's book of mitzvahs, you'll find many times where even with those two conditions are met, 
the two conditions presented by Rambam's son. That it's two mitzvahs that are on two separate times and they're not binding, we're dependent one on the other. And yet he counts them as one mitzvah. What's an example of that? Here we can't give the example of the lulav, but we have other examples. One of them is brought in the footnote, and that's the example of the recital of Shema. It's a mitzvah in the Torah to recite the Shema. When? Morning and night. The recitation of Shema morning and night, is that two mitzvahs or one? So if you look in Ramam, it's counted as one mitzvah. He doesn't say mitzvah number so-and-so, say Shema in the morning. Mitzvah number so-and-so, say Shema at night. No. He says mitzvah number so-and-so, say Shema in the morning and night. It's one mitzvah, even though it happens at two different times. One is in the morning and one is at night. And they're not critically binding. If I miss the morning Shema, which is not a good thing to do, but if I did, does that mean I can't do the night Shema or vice versa? If I miss the night Shema, does that disqualify my morning Shema? They're two independent mitzvahs. Each one can be done as a standalone and not critically binding one to the other. They're at different times. So it has both qualifications that Rambam's son presents. And yet the Rambam counts them as one mitzvah because thematically they're one. Because the way the Rambam explains, if you look at the introduction of Sefer HaMitzvahs in the Book of Mitzvahs, parenthetically, I imagine that many of us study at the beginning of the Rambam cycle each year, each year before we begin studying the Sefer HaMitzvahs, the principles, those of us who are studying Sefer HaMitzvahs cycle, the, 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 third, the, the whatever it is, 15, 16 principles that Rambam lays out on how the mitzvahs are to be counted. And amongst them, he explains these things. He says, if a mitzvah has a theme, that's the mitzvah. You don't enumerate all the details. It's similar, by the way, parenthetically. There's one mitzvah to, to observe Shabbos and not break it. It's not 39 mitzvahs for the 39 laws. Those are details. It's one mitzvah to say Shema, even though it's in two times and each one is independent. Another example, which I want to cite, and the reason I'm citing it because it's close to our our sensibilities, we live with this. There's a mitzvah to make Kiddush and Avdala. Did you know that they're really one mitzvah? The mitzvah of the Torah is to sanctify Shabbos. Zachar is Yom HaShabbos, the Kachi. Remember to make Shabbos holy. It's one mitzvah. doesn't say in the Torah, you should make Kiddush and you should make Avdala. You should remember the Shabbos to make it holy. And it's translated to mean to honor it when it comes in and when it goes out. Kiddush and Avdala. And if you look in the Rambam Sefer HaMitzvah, he counts it as one mitzvah. Mitzvah number whatever, honor Shabbos when it comes in and when it goes out, Kiddush and Avdalah. These are two mitzvahs that are at two different times. They're by definition 25 hours apart, at least. And they're not binding one upon the other. If I make Kiddush and I didn't make Avdalah, is my Kiddush disqualified or vice versa? No. They're two mitzvahs, even though they're counted necessarily as one mitzvah because Hashem gave us the same theme, sanctify Shabbos. This is the principle that Rambam seems to be saying in his introduction of Sefer HaMitzvahs. That the 613 mitzvahs are 613 ritzainis, wills, desires of Hashem that he presented to us. Each one is a theme. And if a mitzvah may have many details, and may have many ways of performing in different times, even non-binding one upon the other, if it's the same inyan is the word of the Rambam, the same theme, that is one mitzvah. Sanctifying Shabbos is one mitzvah, even though it manifests in two behaviors, Kiddush and Abdullah. Saying Shema is one mitzvah, even though it manifests in a morning Shema and night Shema. Why 
says the Rebbe, we come right back to the original question. Should eating the carbon Pesach be counted as a separate mitzvah from offering it up? They go together, even if there are different times and one not necessarily binding upon the other. So the Rebbe brings us right back to the main question. The Rebbe is going to offer his own answer very creatively. This is one of the big innovations of the Sikha. The Rebbe is going to say, before we answer this question, again, what's the question we're back with? Why is eating the carbon Pesach a separate mitzvah from sacrificing? The Rebbe is going to preface it by bringing another question. Why is eating the carbon Pesach a separate mitzvah from eating all other sacrifices? There are many sacrifices in Torah, and most of them get to be eaten. Uh, the exception is the burnt offering, which is totally onto the altar. But the rest, sin offering, guilt offering, peace offering, thanksgiving offering, are eaten. By whom? Depends. Some are eaten only by the Kohen, some are eaten also by the family, etc., etc. A lot of details. Bottom line is that there's a list of sacrifices that are eaten. If you're looking at Maimonides' Book of Mitzvahs, he counts the eating of all these sacrifices as one mitzvah. The offering of these sacrifices is separate. The sin offering, guilt offering, peace offering, and separate mitzvahs. But when, then he has one more mitzvah. And by the way, it's a mitzvah to eat the sacrifices. Who, when, whoever's supposed to. And he includes all of them in it. So the Rebbe says, that's curious. How come the mitzvah of eating carbon Pesach is not included there? Why have a separate mitzvah of carbon Pesach to eat it? It should be included in the midst of eating all sacrifices. This is the same question as above, but a, a, a different angle. The first question was, why is the midst of eating the carbon Pesach a separate mitzvah as separate and distinct from the offering of the carbon Pesach? And we don't have an answer to that question yet. Rabbi says, let's preface it by asking a similar but different question. Why is the midst of eating the carbon Pesach a separate mitzvah from eating all of the other sacrifices? which they're all lumped together as one mitzvah in Rambam. And carbon Pesach is left alone and it's given its own mitzvah. This is a big question. So the Rebbe gives a fantastic answer. And the Rebbe says, because by the eating of the Paschal lamb of the carbon Pesach, there are many details which the Torah talks about. We don't find this by any of the other sacrifices. We're eating the carbon Pesach, there's details that has to be, all kinds of rules and regulations how to eat. The other sacrifice, it tells you after you, the butchering has a lot of details. You have to bring it, sprinkle the blood, the right side, the left side, all kind of details. It's a whole business. When it comes to eating, ask us a day to eat. There's general principles of who can eat it, until what time, and where, whether it's eaten in the walls of the temple or, or in Jerusalem. But that's it. General guidelines for the whole thing. It doesn't tell you that how you have to cook it. And how many people have to be in the room. And in what manner. Pesach is all kind of rules. And right in Chumash. You have to roast it. You can't cook it. You can't pot roast it. You can't roast it in parts, which is the normal way of roasting. You have to roast the entire animal, the head together with the intestines, together with the knees, everything. You can't break a bone. Can't break a bone? Which good Jew eats a piece of steak without breaking the bone? No, you can't. And you have to eat it in a party. You can't make it into a boxed lunch. You can't come to your Pesach, a Seder, and get your little piece of uh, 
of Carbon Pesach or Paschalam and then walk out into the local park. Mm -mm. It has to be eaten bachaburo in the company of a group who originally signed on to that. And it has to be eaten with matzah and mar. And it has to be eaten, you can't leave the room. I mean, there's all kinds of rules and regulations. So this is unique. And therefore says the Rebbe, ha, that makes sense why the eating of the carbon Pesach is not included. It's not just lumped together with the eating of all of the sacrifices. It's its own mitzvah because the Torah gives it many details, which those details make it unique. Those details make it a mitzvah on its own. So while all the other sacrifices that we listed before, guilt offering, sin offering, etc., they're one mitzvah because there aren't a lot of details. Torah says, you finish bringing the sacrifice? Yeah, yes, ask his intake, go eat. How? However you like. Doesn't tell me exactly how to cook and when and where and who has to be present. Eat. So that word eat includes all the sacrifices. Eat and according to the rules, there's just a couple of rules of who and where. When it comes to Pesach, the Torah makes a whole chapter out of it. You have to eat it like this and like that, and don't break it, don't break the bone, etc. etc. Here, the Torah is clearly making it special, making it important. Um, and therefore, the mitzvah of eating the Pesach becomes unique and stands alone from the eating of all the other sacrifices. And therefore, it makes sense that it's not lumped in, it's its own mitzvah. Therefore, the rabbi says this will also answer the main question of the sicha. Why is eating the Paschal sacrifice counted as a separate mitzvah from sacrificing it? The same reason why it's counted as a separate mitzvah from eating all the other sacrifices. Because the Torah gives so many details. Clearly, it's a big deal. It's not just a conclusion of a process begun earlier. It's its own process, so to speak. Therefore, this, the Rebbe will explain the question that is asked on the Rambam, how come this mitzvah is counted separately? <laughs> if you take a look at the Sikha, you can see the Rebbe tries to explain that that's really the intention of the Rambam's son in his answer. This is a fascinating innovation, beautiful answer. Again, why is the eating of the Paschal lamb a separate and distinct mitzvah from sacrificing it the same way it's a separate and distinct mitzvah from the eating of all other sacrifices. The Torah makes a big deal out of it. It gives us so many conditions. And the fact that it has all those conditions is an indication that it's a very important standalone thing. It's not just the continuation of a process or the end of a process. It's its own process. The beauty of this interpretation of the Rebbe or innovation of the Rebbe is that it's explicit almost in Rambam. When the Rambam enumerates the mitzvah of eating the carbon Pesach, as a separate mitzvah. The Rambam says, it's a mitzvah to eat the carbon Pesach with all of its details and conditions. And he starts enumerating some of them. Says, why is Rambam saying that? Why is he saying that? This is not the book of laws. This is just the book of mitzvahs. Why does the Rambam, when he introduces it as a separate mitzvah, say it's a mitzvah to eat it with all of its conditions and details? Says the Rebbe, the Rambam is, is hinting almost explicitly to the reason why he counts it as a separate mitzvah because this is a unique type of thing. In all of Torah and all the laws of eating the holy sacrifices, it's the only one really that has so many conditions and details. And therefore, yes, it becomes its own mitzvah as distinct from all other sacrifice, sacrificial meat, and as distinct from the mitzvah of offering this sacrifice in and of itself. So we've solved the issue. 
We solve the opening question. <clears throat> I'm not sure it's necessary. I'm gonna explain this illustration that I threw in here. This is my own example in case it helps somebody. We open up the Code of Jewish Law. There's a chapter that tells you the laws of eating the meal of Shabbos and Yantif. And there's rules. You have to make kiddush, you have to eat bread, you have to eat meat and fish, or you should eat meat and fish, all kinds of discussions. We don't have a separate chapter on each separate holiday. There's general principles. You're supposed to eat the, the festive meals. Let's talk about it. It doesn't say, this is how you eat the sukkah meal. This is how you eat the Shavuos meal. This is how you eat you know, the, 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 a festive meal is a festive meal. They're all generic. And therefore, in one chapter, it can be the laws of eating the festive meals. The Shabbos meal. And then there's a separate chapter on how to do the Seder. Is it relevant to ask, well, why is the Seder in its own chapter? It should be thrown in. It's a, it's a meal. I said, are you kidding? Seder is another holiday meal? It's got a million details. So clearly the details make it separate. They make it stand alone. It gets its own chapter. I'm just giving an illustration of this in case this helps somebody. My own illustration. That similarly, when Rambam counts the mitzvahs, it makes sense to count the mitzvah of the eating of the carbon Pesach as a separate mitzvah from all other eating of sacrificial meals and from the bringing of the sacrifice itself because the Torah gives it many details. It's not something to be swallowed up and lumped in with anything. It is absolutely a standalone mitzvah. The Torah makes it unique and special by giving it all of these detailed rules and regulations and conditions. Now the Rebbe uh, introduces a third question. Rabbi says, since we're already talking about why the eating should be a separate mitzvah, we already concluded that it should be for the reason mentioned earlier. But why is the eating of the Pesach Sheni a separate mitzvah from the eating of the Pesach Rishon? There's Pesach Sheni, which means the second Passover. If someone missed the opportunity to bring the carbon Pesach because they were either out of town, they were away, or they were impure and they weren't allowed to bring it, and the Torah tells the story that the Jews complained to Moshe. They said, why should we miss out on this tremendous mitzvah? Moshe asked Hashem, and extraordinarily, Hashem said, they're right. I like the fact that they demanded an opportunity for a makeup. And he presented the mitzvah of Pesach, Sheni, the makeup, Pesach. And this is a big deal. The Rebbe talks about it, teaches us that it's never too late. It's no doubt that Hashem had this plan to begin with. Hashem didn't need the Jews to teach him. And Hashem doesn't change his mind. It's not like suddenly Hashem said, oh, that's a good idea. We're going to add a new mitzvah. Clearly the mitzvahs were all here from the beginning of time and beyond. However, Hashem did not introduce that mitzvah to Moshe until the Jews demanded it. It brings out their love for the mitzvah. They demanded a makeup date and Hashem said to Moshe, they're right, give it to them. And they sort of merited to bring that mitzvah out and the Rebbe has many lessons for them. Passion to want to do a mitzvah, I want to make. So therefore, bottom line is if I miss the carbon Pesach, I'm the the month of Nisan, on the 14th of Nisan, I have a makeup date on the 14th of Iyar. The same process. I butcher it in the afternoon, I trickle the blood, the whole business, and then in the evening I eat it, the same deal, I eat it with matzah and marrow and roasting, and I, and I have to have a, a group, the same rules and regulations. I believe you have to eat it with a group. Pretty much the same rules and regulations, except that you don't have to clean the house from Pesach, from Chametz, it's not Pesach. So you can have a kokosh cake for dessert, but the Karim Pesach is eaten with matzah and marah and all of the trimmings and the details mentioned earlier. 
And Rambam enumerates it as a separate mitzvah. Why not lump it together with the eating of the carbon Pesach? I understand why the eating of the carbon Pesach is a mitzvah on its own, as mentioned earlier. It's a big deal. It's got a lot of details. But it should include Pesach Shani. Rambam should say it's a mitzvah to eat the carbon Pesach. And included in that is the makeup carbon Pesach. Why is it a separate mitzvah? It's the same thing. Remember, we already learned that mitzvahs go by theme. And someone's going to say, well, it's a different time. This is a month later. Time isn't a factor. Time isn't of the essence. As we said earlier, that there are mitzvahs that have different times. And they're counted as one mitzvah. The example was the morning and night Shema. The other example was the Kiddush and Abdullah. They were different times, and yet they're one mitzvah. And the explanation is because they're one theme. In the language of Rambam, they're one Indian. They're one theme. They're one Ratzon Hashem. Hashem wants you to, 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 to honor his, his unity by saying Shema. He wants you to honor the Shabbos. The fact that it's, it's split up in time means nothing. It, it doesn't affect the, the counting of the mitzvahs. So the theme of carbon Pesach, of eating the Paschal lamb, with all of its details and conditions, is a very important theme. But it's one singular theme. Why do we add another mitzvah when it comes to Pesach Sheni, the makeup date? Very good question. Especially after the aforementioned introduction. So the Rebbe says, <clears throat> Rebbe says, here we're going to say time is of the essence. Even though we said earlier the example of the Shema morning at night, that the fact that a mitzvah has a different time than another doesn't necessarily make it a separate mitzvah. And the reason, because it's still the same theme, the theme is Shema. The theme is not morning Shema, night Shema, it's Shema. The fact that it has a two different times is a detail. It's not a detail which is which is essential to the definition of the very mitzvah. What's the definition of the mitzvah of Shema? Shema. The time is, is an important detail, but it is not part and parcel of the definition. In fact, the Rebbe explains in one of the footnotes that in the Torah, it doesn't say it in two separate sentences. Say the Shema in morning. Say the Shema at night. It says it in one. Say the Shema. And then it says, morning and night. The headline is the same because it's one theme. Time is not a factor. However, there's certain mitzvahs that are given at certain times and that becomes part and parcel of the definition of the mitzvah. And the Rebbe says that one of the examples would be the difference between the Paschal Lamb on its proper time and a month later. It's not the same mitzvah through different times. It's a different mitzvah. Because the bringing the Paschal lamb, the carbon Pesach, the Passover lamb at the time when Passover took place, when God actually passed over, clearly time is a factor. It's a definition of the mitzvah. Whereas bringing it a month later, it's all wonderful. But the time doesn't contribute to it. Whereas when you bring the carbon Pesach and it's regular time, you're bringing it the time when it happened. And therefore the time, the rabbi argues, is part and parcel of the mitzvah. I'm giving an example of my own. I hope it's accurate. We have a bris on the eighth day and we have a makeup date. The makeup date is fine, but no one's going to equate the two mitzvahs. The proof is that the mitzvah on the makeup date does not uh, override Shabbos, whereas on the actual eighth day it does. 
So clearly there's something special about doing the mitzvah of bris in that time. Similarly, we have the carbon Pesach in, in its time, it stands alone in that it's a special time because that's the actual time of Exodus. And to illustrate this, where do we see an illustration to prove, so to speak, in halacha, in Jewish law, that the bringing of the Paschal Lamb, Pesach Rishon, the original time, is a binding factor, an important factor in the mitzvah, as opposed to Pesach Sheni, the makeup day, when uh, it's not, uh, the time is not of the essence, so to speak. It's not an essential part of the description of the mitzvah. And that is in the recitation of Halal, that while we do we have the obligation of the mitzvah of reciting halal? When we brought, when we ate the carbon at the right time, we do not recite halal in, uh, if we're eating the Pesach Sheni. Why, why the difference? When we're eating the carbon Pesach on the Nisan, the regular time, we recite halal. When we eat it the next time and Pesach Sheni has a makeup, we don't. Why not? So clearly we see in Jewish law, there's a difference between of the two times, it's not just a time and another time or a makeup time. It's a time that's essential to this mitzvah and comes with it halal and all the specialness of that moment of miraculous salvation. And then this Pesach Sheini, it's wonderful. But over there, you cannot compare the binding aspect of the time and therefore there's no halal. The Rebbe points out as opposed to the Hollow that is recited during the when we during the time of bringing of offering of butchering the carbon Pesach, Hollow exists in both Pesach Rishon and Pesach Sheni, the first and the second. And why? Because the Hollow there is associated with the act of the mitzvah, not with something special about the time. You're bringing the carbon Pesach, whether it's in the original time or the makeup date, you still say Hollow. You bring the carbon Pesach. Do it. It's special. Praise Hashem. So then, when it comes to the eating. You only say halal here and you don't say it here. Clearly the eating at the nighttime when Exodus actually happened is not just a side detail, but it is part of the very definition of the mitzvah. Eat the Paschal lamb at the night of Exodus. Eat the Passover lamb at the time of Passover when it actually passed over. And therefore that would explain why here time is of the essence, unlike other mitzvahs where time is not a factor to splinter a mitzvah into two mitzvahs. The Rebbe concludes with a beautiful lesson. And again, I'm giving the disclaimer that I did not cover everything, just more of a general overview of the Sikh. The Rebbe has a beautiful lesson uh, in Avedis Hashem in our service of Hashem from this, from this whole thing. <clears throat> the Rebbe explains that the mitzvah of Karban Pesach is not just another mitzvah, it's a pivotal mitzvah. It's what made us God's people. It's called the birth of the Jewish nation. It's what transformed us from slaves to Pharaoh to slaves to Hashem. It's when we became the Jewish people. And that's not just true. Originally it's true with every year. By every year bringing this carbon, every year is, is, is born as a Jew. They make that step, that leap from just being a person, of being a, a servant of Pharaoh, servant of idolatry and worldliness and what have you, to being a yid, to being free from that and being connected to truth, being connected to Hashem. It's a transformative mitzvah. It's pivotal. It's a big deal. 
just like in our modern times, people think of, you know, many hidden who wouldn't uh, necessarily keep every Shabbos, but Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur. Somehow people feel Yom Kippur is pivotal, and there's truth to it. The Paschal Lamb is pivotal. It's transformative. It makes you into a Yid from, I'm a heathen. I'm a Pharaoh, Nick. You're a Jewish, Nick. Big deal. It's a very big deal. Therefore, says the Rebbe, <coughs> therefore, we find that this is the only mitzvah in the Torah where there's a makeup. What kind of business makeup? Especially by sacrifices. The principle is of our zmane bottle carbone. If a sacrifice time passed, you're done. You don't get to bring it. There were many sacrifices that people have to bring, different offerings at different times. When you came to the temple and the pilgrimage, as an example, you missed the time, you're done. You'll, you'll, you'll do tshuva, but you can't make it up. It's done. When it comes to the carbon Pesach, there's a makeup, and it's not just a little thing. It's a whole deal that people complain. Why should we miss out? And Hashem said, they're right. Why? It's unique. And they answer because this is a big deal. You can't miss it. You can't miss it. This is what makes you a yid. We need it. And if you missed it, you get a makeup. It's pivotal to our transformation to becoming a yid. So that's number one lesson, explaining why it has, why it's the only mitzvah, the only sacrifice, and perhaps the only mitzvah that has a makeup in such a fashion, because it's not something that you can afford to miss. It's basic Judaism. It's fundamental. Based on this, the Rebbe says, I'm going to explain to you why the mitzvah of, of eating it is separate and apart from the mitzvah of sacrificing it, because the, this points to two themes in this transformation that takes place when you bring the Paschal lamb, when you bring the carbon Pesach, you're transformed at each year again, so to speak. And now you, you, you leave the realm of Pharaoh in a heathenistic approach to a Jewish approach, to the place of Hashem. You're now the servant of Hashem. It's a fundamental transformation that takes place. And there's two parts to that. Sacrificing it and eating it. What does it mean? Sacrificing means that you butcher the idol of Egypt, you say no in your mind, in your heart, in your belief system to idolatry, to paganism, to whatever is contrary to holiness, and you embrace Hashem. You embrace the faith. It's a big deal. But then there's a second mitzvah. Now I want you to celebrate that. I want you to have a party. Eating, partying. It's a very physical thing. It's a very mundane behavior. And one would think, what's the connection? of embracing faith and truth and Hashem and Yiddish guy to having a party. People tend to make a chism in their lives between their religious life and their mundane life. My Jewish life and my human life. When it comes to my Jewish life, let Torah tell me what to do. Tell me how to daven. Tell me how to study Torah. Tell me how to, how to put up a mezuzah. Tell me about faith. I got it. But now I'm just eating. I'm having a party. I'm, I'm, I'm drinking. I'm on vacation. I'm doing my own hobby. We tend to make a chism. But this is one of the central themes of the Rebbe and of Hasidus based on the principle of that we're supposed to find Hashem in every behavior. We're never on vacation really from Hashem. And in a different way, but even in the non-mitzvahs, the neutral behaviors, we're also servants of Hashem. And that's manifest in this transformational, pivotal mitzvah of carbon Pesach. And nowadays that we don't have it yet until Mashiach comes, the theme is still there. 
that yes, there is the, the spiritual side of the mitzvah. Take that lamb and butcher it, which means that you have embraced, you have the faith of Hashem and you have, neglect, you have negated any other faith and the idolatry of the time, what have you. It's a spiritual exercise. Then there's another mitzvah. It's not just an outgrowth. It stands alone. Now I want you to eat it. I want you to physically enjoy it. I want your physical life to be part of your Jewish life and not separate and apart. I want to just illustrate this point because this is a very important point in the Rebbe's approach to life from a similar message the Rebbe gives <clears throat> with regard to the high priest's garments. So there's a mitzvah in the Torah that the high priest had a garment called the choshen, the breastplate, and he had the ephod, the apron. And there's a mitzvah, the two should not budge. The language of the text is, lo make sure the breastplate does not budge from the apron. They were chained together to stay in place. And this is one of the mitzvahs in the Torah. I remember the Rebbe talking about this with tremendous passion and the mitzvah, the sikh is published, of course. The Rebbe said, what's the lesson? What's the point? Don't let the apron budge from the breastplate. And if it budges, what the big deal was, what happened? And even if it's not allowed to budge, but why is that a mitzvah, separate mitzvah of the Torah? It shouldn't budge. So the Rebbe explains the mitzvah, the, the idea on a, a proverbial and thematic level. The breastplate represents all that is holy in our lives as Jews. It's on the heart. It had the name of Hashem embedded in it. You might say it had the 12 tribes. The breastplate, you might say, is everything holy about your life. Your davening, your learning, your faith, your emuna, your avas Hashem, love of God. It's the breastplate. It's your heart. It's your soul. The apron is on the back side of the body and the lower half of the body. The part of us that's very human. It's not about faith. It's human. You eat, you drink, and you sleep. Hello? Physicality. That's the apron. Both are represented in the high priest's garments. And we are told, don't allow the apron to budge from the breastplate. Translation, don't allow for there to be a chism between these two. And when it comes to mitzvahs and spirituality and Torah study and prayer and faith, I'm very holy, I'm alive. But now I'm just being a human being, leave me alone. No, the apron shouldn't budge from the breastplate. In all of my human behaviors, the way a person eats, the way a person drinks, the way a person conducts business, the way a person conducts their hobbies, family life, etc., etc., etc. In every human behavior, behold, in all of your ways, you should know Hashem, that you can tell this is a yid that's eating. This is a yid that's doing business. There's a certain refinement, there's a certain faith, there's a certain calm, a certain lack of, of, of passion. Of, of, depend, of dependence on the physicality. It's not what, it's not the reason the tray of his whole existence. He's not totally enveloped in the mitzvah, in the, in, in, in the physical, et cetera, et cetera. There's a certain detachment, a refinement. Of course, this is very personal, individualized. Each of us has to find it in our own lives to, to apply our, our breastplate to our apron, to apply our spirituality, our neshama connection to our bodily, physical existence, even in the non-rich mitzvah realm of life, and they remain connected, don't let them budge. And I feel that this is the same lesson here, including because the Rebbe alludes to it in a footnote, sends you to Chela Gimel, to the third book of the Kotesichos, where the theme is spelled out even more detail. Yes, there's one mitzvah. It would be, the, it would be like the breastplate. Butcher that lamb. Butcher the idol of Egypt. Embrace Hashem. 
be holy. And there's another one. I want you to eat. I want your physical life to be part of a mitzvah. Don't allow the two to be separate and apart.